a Podcast One production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby, and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Kath Curtin, midwife Kath, we have spoken um, about prenatal considerations, but uh, what about the actual deed, the the labour, the birth. Oh, not the, the deed. Day. Not no. the deed. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. But no. the labour, the birth. Private, private, yeah. confidential. <laughs> the labour, the birth and the drugs. Like, you know, there's... Oh, no drugs. Exactly. Well, there's this this thing where it's kind of like secret women's business almost. It is. Because unless you've been through it, if you come from the other perspective, you don't actually go and research this stuff or we don't have the information around it. Or you, or you don't want to hear it. Someone told me not long ago that because she had a really great pregnancy, just, she just thought it would be okay in labour. <laughs> and unfortunately, well, you know, she ended up having, the baby got distressed and she needed a cesarean section and that's quite common. And it's also quite common for women to think it's not going to happen to them. You need to come into labour thinking that you're safe, you're well looked after. I look at like people are running a race and you're starting at the start line. Everyone who comes into labour, especially for their first baby, it's like, just let's see how it happens. Let's see what happens. Then everyone goes off in a different tangent. So you've got your preconceived notions about how you would like it to unfold and what your expectations are, but you're just saying that's a great idea. Yeah, but just arrive and let's let's just wait and see. I don't want women to feel disappointed because the aim is to have a live, healthy baby, a live, healthy mother, a happy family. That's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, having a vaginal birth and, you know, sort of not feeling great about yourself and, and really some women worry that they've had a cesarean section. It's a gift. It's a gift these days because we we can. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, There's other benefits too apparently. Like, you Oh, know. that's right. Honeymoon fresh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, Kath, we'll talk about the labour, birth and drugs. Take me the 101. What do I need to know? Okay. One, it hurts. Okay, it, it hurts. And labour is progressive. So you just, it's not like the movies that all of a sudden you go, oh, you know, I'm in labour and you're doubling over and you start to labour. It starts slowly and it's, but it's progressive. So every contraction you have is going to be more intense and more painful than the one before and longer. So you know how you can feel that the leg cramps coming on? And you can think, oh, I'm getting a bit of a cramp. Oh, it's getting harder. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it hurts. Then you can actually feel it going away. So that's that's what it feels like. So you can actually feel it coming. You can feel it getting stronger. You can feel that it's at its peak. Then you can actually feel it going away and you can feel it's gone. Then it comes back again. So everyone starts labour differently. Some women, their waters break. Some women, they start to contract. Some women don't actually come into labour. And we have to help them into labour. Contributing factors could be varied, many, too many to mention. Not coming into labour? Mm. Well, just some women just don't come into labour. You know, they just, just labour doesn't start. And we know that by a certain time of the pregnancy, we actually know that baby needs to be born. Yeah. So that's induced labour then. We induced labour. We schedule labor. our time, come so, on in. Yeah, and then we start labour. We also start labour for some women who are sick. 
if they're unwell in pregnancy. Some women who have gestational diabetes in pregnancy, we want them to have their baby before they get to their due date. Just because we know things happen and they're never good when they go a long time in pregnancy. So we don't let people go too long over um, their due date, usually about 10 days. Okay, so we've got the cervix that needs to open and we've got the head, the baby, <laughs> well, the baby with the head, we've got the baby pressing down onto the cervix and it's sitting in the uterus, which is a muscle. And the muscle has the capacity to contract and relax, contract and relax. And by doing that, it presses the baby down onto the cervix and then the cervix opens up. Now, that's a very easy way to describe labour, but it's a good way for women to get that in their mind's eye of what happens. The cervix is long and thick. It's about zero to one centimetre dilated, but it's really, it's about five cent, four centimetres long. Mm-hmm. So it actually has to open and thin out. So to do that, it takes a lot of contraction. So the baby has to be, the uterus has to contract and the baby presses on the cervix then the baby relaxes and then you have a break. Then you have another contraction and the uterus contracts and the baby presses on the cervix and that goes on and on for hours. What about you hear about people, <clears throat> those stories uh, about people delivering their baby in 10 minutes in the back of a car? Or- yep. They're usually women who have had their, uh, uh, it's, they're having their second baby and they've had a baby before, two or three babies, one baby, and they've had a long labour and then they come into labour and they think, oh, this is nothing. You know, it's going to take a little time for us to come into labour. And then what? Then the mother comes into labour and really efficient labour. And so the second labour is really quick and really efficient compared what? to the first. Always? Yeah, always, yeah. And that's just because the muscles have memo, mem- memory. Yeah, memory. yeah. And then the, and it's just it's just what it is that women having their second baby vaginally have it um, have it quicker. So when you go into hospital, we assess women on how they are individually, not how everyone else is labouring. It's just how you are labouring. So if you are having regular contractions and you're progressing, well, that's how you're doing. If someone next door is not progressing and not dilating, well, some intervention may need to take place. It's all assessed on the individual um, um, situation. Years ago, when women didn't progress, they just had very long, long labours. What do you mean for by days. progress? You mean so like- progress means that their cervix is dilating and the, and the baby's going down through the vagina. And we can tell through a vaginal examination how the, how the labour is progressing. So we can see how the, the cervix is dilated by feeling, examining the cervix, seeing if it's dilating. And we want it to be dilating each hour. We can see that the baby is um, in, a, in the right position because all the, the plates on the baby's head are still movable and we can feel the soft spot in the baby's head. So we can feel what position that's in and, and all those bones, we can feel what position the baby's presenting. What about the hereditary thing? You know, you know, you hear often, my sister had a really easy birth, my mother's had a really easy birth. Is it genetic? Well, I think sometimes it is. Um, not, not all the time. It's, yes, sometimes it has a factor if, if you know, the mother's had a lot, lot of children and, and been, you know, had the really quick labours, but not all the time. Um, and also with, um, with, you know, sisters, you know, it doesn't matter how they've laboured and it's such an individual thing, mm. and it's also about how your baby and where your baby is sitting. Um, your pelvis, 
you know, where the baby's sitting in the pelvis, the size of the baby, um, the nationality of your partner, the nationality of your, cult, you know, different cultures. There's there's so many issues these days that make it interesting and, and varied and, yeah. it's, and it's fine. But we've just got to look at people as an individual rather than worrying about everyone else. And I would advise new mums out there, don't take too much from sisters and family and friends and that you're going to have a great labour or you're going to have a terrible labour. Either way, you're just going to do what you're going to do. It's about you and it's about how you, what your story for that day. It's your birth story. You know, having a Caesar, having forceps, having a vacuum extraction, any, all these things are assistance that help you to have a normal, healthy baby. And they're only done when necessary. They're not just done because someone wants to go and play golf. It doesn't happen like that. Doctors don't do that. <laughs> they just don't do it. They And some women want to come in and have a cesarean section and not go into labour. They're pathologically fearful of labour. And that's okay too. Like, we understand that now. Back in the day, it wasn't understood. Can I ask you about uh, the different types of birth? So we've yep. spoken briefly about a vaginal birth, but you just mentioned forceps, vacuums, and cesareans. So yep. Can we go into forceps? What, 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 so forceps, yeah. Yep. So forceps would be used if, in in a couple of cases, if the baby is really high and the mother's pushing and not progressing well and they need to have some forceps to bring the, the baby down um, the vagina. Sometimes they're actually used to, to rotate the baby. So the baby may have been on his back and they need to rotate the baby around into the anterior position um, so it can and be delivered. Vaginal um, births is what we aim for. And so... Um, in a, with a, a, a forcep delivery, you often have an episiotomy, um, which is a cut in the vagina to um, to allow extra space for the head to come down and for the forceps. Um, it's it's and and you know they, they have to pull and it just happens. You know, it's it's I've closed my eyes many times, but it just that's what happens. So the forceps go in around the baby's head, around the baby's head, but they they click. So they they're not going they don't crush the head they they they're just supporting the head and they pull the head down. So often the baby might have some faucet marks around his face, um, but it's it's a safe way of getting a baby out very quickly. Okay. Because if you if you think that some women may need to push for two hours, and if a baby's really distressed and really needs to be born now, first of all the cervix has to be fully dilated to be delivered vaginally. So unless if the if the vagina if the cervix is fully dilated, and the baby's in distress, and that means its heart rate's going down and it needs to be born, the the only way to get the baby out is by forceps. Okay, so there's no guilt around that. It's just a practical. Let's yep. Mm. The same with a vacuum, um, which is it's it's like a suction cap that's put on the baby's head, and the same rules apply. Just you know, they pull the baby down, and the baby has to go sort of down the vagina and around a corner to get out. And so often, especially first baby, it's it's about pushing and pushing and pushing and not getting that baby around the corner. And there's lots of what we call moulding of the head, so the head sort of gets swollen and and tends to look like they've got a you know dome head, a mm. cone head. Dome head? Cone head. Cone. cone. Like an ice cream cone. A cone head. And um, so they put the, section, the suction on and just pump some suction onto the little cap and, and gently pull the baby down. 
So that's fantastic. Again, it's it's life saving for some babies, and it's also it decreases the time of for the woman pushing because it's really hard pushing a baby out for some women, first baby, and they just they can't get there. And if two hours has happened and the baby's getting tired and the mum's getting tired, it's easy just to get the vacuum on. You mentioned, is it a pesiotomy? Yep. What are the ramifications of that? That's when you get stitches afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, they can be very sore because it's really a wound, you know. It's, it's a surgical cut and it's, and it's stitched up so it's a wound. So it's really, really sore. A very old doctor told me when I was a very young midwife that the vagina is a very forgiving area. That's true. Is it true? Yep, it's true. So the thing with an episiotomy is that, A, it hurts, so you need to take pain relief. Don't worry about your bowels, ladies. Don't worry about constipation because the pain relief causes constipation. We can deal with the constipation, and that is take a laxative. Mm. Take something that's going to make you have poo. Mm. Um, But you need to have pain relief. You need to keep ahead of the pain. You need to put ice on um, your episiotomy. And the best thing you can do is lay down as much as possible rather than standing up. What, just take the pressure off? Taking the pressure off. Mm. And also Panadol or some anti-inflammatory, taking those um, medication. The other thing is that it it's like any wound. It has to get worse before it gets better. And it goes through a process to get better. So it's usually about six weeks before it's healed completely. It will heal completely. You will have sex again and you will have another baby. And in that time... Not as say you think you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> and in that time, your focus is usually elsewhere. Yeah, and when you're feeding and you're sitting down, oh, my gosh, it's so hard. If you actually look at um, film of um, Princess Diana after she had William, uh, only because uh, as a midwife with my midwife eyes on, when she hopped in the car after she had William, you could see her. She she, she basically <laughs> slid on the seat with one, eye, with, <laughs> with one eye closed and it's sort of like, yeah, you know, I want to be looking really gorgeous. But, yeah, with the wave going and the – but you could see one eye just sort of twitching. Very astute, Kath. Very I know, astute I observation. Know. Well, <laughs> that's it. What about? I love my rules too. Yeah, what about? Uh, okay, let's talk cesarean because um, often all you really know is that you you get your your rib, not your ribs, your um, your muscles get cut, and it takes a long time to recover. True? False? False. <gasps> you actually recover quicker from a cesarean section, physically, I think, than with an episiotomy. That's interesting. Mm. Is this controversial? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> um, the, the, the cesarean section, it hurts. Believe me, it's, it hurts day one. You're, you know, you're on the big stuff. You're on, um, you know, morphine and um, uh, Panadol and Voltaren. You're, you're on some big drugs. What, and what exactly happens? They cut through your, your six The, the lower, just above your um, pubic hair. Or even, no, it's actually... Um, sort of probably half an inch below your pubic hairline. Okay. So and through the muscle, because yeah, so through the muscle. lower and through the uh, the muscle, then the bladder's put out of the way, and then through the lower abdominal, through the lower section of the uterus. And often forceps are put on the baby's head to guide the baby's head out. And they're just, you know, they're they're very skilled. They just, you know, lift the baby out. Okay. So in that situation, most women have. A spinal anaesthetic. Ah, we're, no, we're talking about epidurals. Okay. Is that what yes. the, is that yes. this is? Two epidural or not to epidural? Well, 
Oh, here we go. Let's yeah. get serious. Let's <laughs> get comfy, Kat. <laughs> I'm getting comfy. Well, years ago, I would have. Said, I was. I was into the into no drugs at all back back in the day. Were you? Yeah. I Why said, was that? Well, I when I first saw childbirth, it wasn't what I thought it was. As a mid, being a midwife, I, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I really got into um, into natural childbirth and to active birth. So in the 70s, it was really big to, to be very active and get women out of bed. And it, that was really sort of like, you're a bit strange if you get women out of bed. But women were put into bed by doctors to control them in birth. And that's what happened. Whereas we just... In the seventies, like, come on, up! If you want to walk around? You Let's get in the shower. Let's sing Enya. Let's sail away. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was fantastic. Oh gosh, had some really fabulous births and some funny times. Good God, yeah. you know, had rooms with thirty five people in it singing and um, playing strumming guitars. What, we sail had away. Some, sail oh, away. anything, kumbaya, whatever, <laughs> anything that anything that was a group song, and. Um, we had some great births, usually on the floor, standing up, hands and knees in the shower. Any pain relief? Nope. Nope. Right. Just, just active childbirth, showering. We didn't have a bath where we were there, and um, but it was just water. And um, it was really empowering women to be in control of their bodies and, and, to, and to work hard at, um, you know, just... And also for us as midwives... Um, and I was in charge, and I set up the whole um, the whole server, the, the the birth center. It was actually having being present with them and being strong enough to help them through the labour. Because when you're in pain, and if I say I've got some pethidine here, it's like, yep, I'll have some, get rid of the pain. But it was like, come on, you can do this. You've got it. You know, you've got it. Let's go. Let's breathe. Okay, next one. Let's go for it. Let's breathe. Take a deep breath in and just breathe. All right. And breathe it away. So it's a lot of coaching. Yep. But now we, you know, it's epidural, not epidural. Why would you yep. have changed your position? Well, I've changed my position because the epidurals are bloody fantastic, whereas but- they weren't that great back in the day. And we were giving women heroin. You what? <laughs> so, Brooke, <laughs> sorry, we need a paramedic. Um, um, <laughs> you're sorry, but uh, really? Yep. We used to give women heroin in labour in the 70s, 60s and 70s. And it was a great drug. It, it was like a twilight anaesthetic, and that is that it would women would go into a really deep sleep and they would labour and they'd wake up and they'd say, like, what's this? Oh, so you don't remember it? They wouldn't remember oh. the birth? That's here's your baby. They wouldn't rem- remember the pain. Ah, the pain. But the fact was that it went through to the baby too. Ah, right. Wasn't that crash hot for them? No. But now we have epidurals and the effect on children is... Zero. Okay. The effect on children is zero. Zero. Everyone listen to that. You have... That doesn't affect the baby. And also epidurals decrease the labour. They decrease the labour. You've got to hear Labour time? Labour time it does. Mm. Yep. Okay. Because, so going back a step, so um, after heroin became a street drug, it, that went off and um, pethidine came into labour wards. Now, again, I've been quite vocal about, you know, why why do we give pethidine? It doesn't work. Is it a narcotic? Is it yeah, addictive? Yeah, it's a narcotic. Uh. Well, it's not so it's addictive. It just goes straight through to the baby. Okay. And these days, women, they don't eat anything. Cheese. Meats, don't drink alcohol, don't smoke, do anything. They're fabulous. They really look after themselves. 
why, oh, why are we bombarding their body with 100 milligrams of pethidine? So it's available still? Sure. Okay. Pushed sometimes. Like have it get rid of the pain. It doesn't get rid of the pain. The only way you get rid of the pain in labour is two ways, having an epidural or having the baby. What about laughing gas? Isn't there gas you can take? Yeah, it's it's like having a shower with your umbrella up, remember? Okay. It's really good. It's really Not good. Not very effective. No, it's fantastic mm. if you get to eight, about eight, nine, ten centimetres or eight or nine centimetres and you haven't had any drugs and you're like, I need everything now. I want an epidural. I want everything. Too late. That's when the gas, gas is fantastic. It's too late to get an epidural then? Too late. So you need gas. Too late. And the gas is great because you can hang on to it and you just breathe. And it puts you on planet Janet for a little while and then it comes back, you come back to earth. So it doesn't affect you or the, the baby, it doesn't affect the baby. So it's really a really good tool to breathe, but you don't start labouring with it because it makes you feel very sick and it doesn't, it just makes you go feel yucky. Right. What do we need to know about the epidural? Is it 40,000 metres long? Is it going to give me spinal injury? Like, these are all the things. These are all the told. things. People think it's a huge injection. They're going to come out in a wheelchair. Yep. They are amazing these days. The 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 doctors, the men and women who give epidurals are trained and they are specialised in giving epidurals to women in labour. They're amazing. And um, they are frightening, the, th- the thought of having an injection. And when you're, when you're not a medical person, you actually think everything's bigger and worse and terrible than it actually is. Yeah. Um, but... You know, having, you know, a spinal anaesthetic or an epidural, really you don't feel a lot of pain. It actually, it, it hurts more having a, an IV put in your hand. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a great. Okay. Yeah. And it's, you, you feel like a bit of pressure of the doctor pushing you back and just finding where the spot is. And they put a bit of local anaesthetic in your back and then just put the epidural in and it stays in for the whole labour. So it's actually not a needle that stays in your back. It's like a little IV drip that stays in your back and it's taped into your back. Just feed you. And it tapes, it's taped right up into your shoulder. And then you have a machine uh, that pumps in the medicine. And that can be turned up, can be turned down, it can be turned off. And so once the baby is born and the placenta is delivered and everything, everyone is fine, it, um, it actually, uh, they then take out the epidural. All right. And if you decide that you want an epidural and that's the path that you go down, what can I expect? You know, do I not feel anything? Do I feel some things? Do, what, what's the outcome? Yeah, you feel, um, when you first have it, you feel like... You, there's some heat being put into your bottom. Um, then you feel like heavy pins and needles legs. You know when you've been sitting on your legs yeah. and they're really dead? That's what you feel like, that you can't lift them, but you think you're lifting them. And it's a really weird feeling. So they actually give quite a light anaesthetic for women in labour. So they've actually got feeling in their bottom so they can feel the pressure when the baby's coming down um, the vagina. So you can actually get that pressure and you can push and you can participate in labour. Uh if you have a cesarean section, they give a spinal because we don't want anyone to feel anything. Well, oh, the, and the spinal is the spinal. The, is it's like just one injection into the back, like you're going to the dentist. Like you have an injection, and then you act, you feel nothing, and then it wears off as it wears off, and then you have some analgesic or pain relief. Um, so when the epidural wears off, 
the medicine takes over, the pain relief medicine takes over. So when people have this idea about having a natural birth and then they end up having an epidural or, or something, it, it doesn't affect the baby, so... I know, it's a thing. It's a th- it's a it's a it's a the secret women's business thing that you know oh if I, I if I have a vaginal de- delivery and and I go through it myself I'm going to be fine well that's great some women do it and I love it I've I've spent my life doing that and and I love it but I also know now you don't have to go through that if you really don't want to there there is a great option a very safe option but it's up to what you want a lot of women come in and say I'm going to give it a go. And that is, I'm going to see how I go. Look, when you know there's a lolly in the room or chocolate in the house, you just know there's something there. When you're going to give it a go, it means I'll see how much I can cope with and then I'm going to say, give me a bloody epidural. (laughs) (laughs) I often say to women, go early. Go early, have one contraction, tick it off. That's that's just if you've had one contraction in of, of labour, amplify that about five billion times, and that's what labour is going to be like at the end. And then say that's fine, life experience, bucket list ticked, epidural. Epidural. Yeah. Some women come in and have an epidural before they're even induced or before they even come into labour. Why? Well, they don't want to feel anything, and we can. We can have a. We can now give a labour that. You don't feel a thing. That's fine. Catherine, is there a lot of judgment around this? You know, like yeah. a women's groups, like, you know, I had a natural birth or I had an epidural. I actually had an epidural before I even went in to have contractions like, yeah. or went into labour. Yeah. A lot of judgment around... A lot of judgment. Should there be? No. Mm. No. Uh, when I had a Caesar and my son was very distressed, he had true knots, so he'd actually been turned... He, he turned around so much that he turned knots in his cords, so he had two yep. true knots. So that never ends well at all for for the baby. And I just feel great. I feel so happy that I had the opportunity to have a Caesar and he was live and healthy. Now, I saw someone and she said, oh, that is so so funny you had a Caesar. I said, why? She said, oh, you know, all the natural childbirth stuff that you go on with that, you you know, you ended up with a Caesar. I said, but it's not funny. Like, it's fine what you're saying, but it's, it's... it's actually okay. I don't feel like I'm less of a woman or a mother because I had a cesarean section. I just feel blessed, you know, that I've got a live, healthy baby. Oh, so that's interesting. It was kind of like, you you know, you yeah. preached but you didn't get that experience. No, you, you, you chickened out. Oh. That's what it really is, that you chickened out and you ended up giving in. So for everyone who's listening, like, so, you know, if we're tuning in, not to worry about it, just do what... Well, you have to listen to your doctor. And, you know, the doctor's not going to do a cesarean section just because he or she wants to. They're doing it for a clinical reason. They have to... There has to be a clinical reason to do it. And if a woman comes in and says on the first visit, I want to have a cesarean section, the doctor's not going to say, yeah, yeah, no worries, we'll schedule it now. They're going to go through the pregnancy, talk about it, see how you're going, maybe have some counselling, see why you really want to have a cesarean section. And really, a lot of people then say, no, I actually feel a bit better and I'm happy to go and just try a vaginal birth. You know, a lot of doctors say to their mums, okay, how about I, we have an epidural straight away you try for a vaginal birth and any time you want to go out and you think it's too much, we can we can have a cesarean section. You know, w- the women are being listened to and it's lovely. And the doctors, the, the obstetricians are amazing. They're fantastic. I suppose the question that many of us might want to ask is, 
when do we have the option to have these choices and when don't we? And, and you know, there's all the discussion around hospitals, private, public. What, what do we need to ask? What do I need to know? So, in a private hospital, you need private, full private insurance to cover your stay in hospital. But also remember, if you choose, you can choose to go privately and pay for the bed. Not a lot of people understand that. Expensive. So, so yeah, it's expensive. So if you decide that you you don't have health insurance, but you want to go and see a private doctor and be delivered in a private hospital, you can pay money up front. And what exactly are you paying for? You're paying for the bed, the bed in a hospital. Um, and, you know, your care in labour um, and your care in the postnatal ward. So if anyone's thinking about having a baby, check their policy because there are a lot of people that, you know, go to, to book in and then realise that they actually aren't insured. You yeah. have to have a policy that's 12 months old, don't yeah. you? So also people don't understand Medicare versus health insurance. A lot of people think that, Medi um, that health insurance covers the doctor's visits. So when you see a doctor, you pay, Medicare pays a portion of that and then you pay out of pocket a portion of that too. That's not health insurance, it's Medicare and and you. So whether you pay, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars, whatever the case may be for the obstetrician out of pocket. Every obstetrician is different. You have some who are really reasonable, some are very expensive and you have ones in the middle of the road. How do you find out the difference? You've got to ring around. Ring ring your, your ring healthcare obstetricians. No, ring your healthcare provider, ring the obstetrician. No, I'll ring the obstetrician. It's got nothing to do with the health the health insurance. Mm. So middle of the road is about five or six thousand dollars for out of pocket for uh, an obstetrician. Just for the obstetrician, not yes. for the bed. No. Wow. So if you don't have health insurance, there are some doctors that you can see privately but de be delivered in a public hospital. Okay. okay. So, so there's, an there's an option. So you don't have to have health insurance for the public hospital, but you pay along with Medicare for the doctor, for a private, seeing a private doctor, seeing the same doctor every week for your pregnancy. And can he or yep. she come to that public hospital? Yep. He's 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 um, he's got um, visiting rights at a public hospital that he will say which is the best one to go to. Right, and visiting rights means come to see you. In he bed? can deliver your baby. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, brilliant. Or she can deliver your baby. All right, and so what else? Um, so a public hospital, if um, if you have no insurance, and or even people with insurance sometimes tend to go to, want to go to a public hospital. It's really your choice. It's it's up to an individual. It's it's whatever people want to do, but it's it, you need to be mindful that going to a public hospital, you, there are some restrictions. So, you know. Coming in for a private hospital, you can it can be arranged privately with the doctor to come on a certain date and you can be delivered on a certain date and you can be induced at different times. With a public hospital, there are more conditions on that, that if you're well and everything's fine, they're not just going to induce you, not as though it, private doctors do that anyway, but um, in a public hospital, you know, you need to go to term and they'll let you go for 10 days over if you are um, if you are well. Obviously, if anyone's sick, the public hospital, again, are amazing because they will deliver you to a caesarean section, whatever needs to be done. If you are in a public hospital and you feel like you'd like an epidural in labour, it's not as available as a private hospital. What do you mean? So if you came in and you wanted a, an epidural straight up, 
you're not going to have that option option because everyone would want that option and that's public health has to look after you know, budget. the budget so You've you need to, to fit a criteria right the criteria would be you know if you've been in labor a certain time if the position of the baby you you know like so many there's so many criteria that you have to meet to to actually have the um, epidural mm. also in a public hospital you tend to go home soon after the baby's born. You can stay six to ten hours after the baby's born and then go home with in-home support. Um, you may go home after 24 hours. You may stay in two or three days. Private hospital, usually four to five days that you stay in and then go home. Then the hospital notifies the um, maternal and child health service and they do that through sending a birth notification to the local government area where you live. So if you live in the city of Melbourne, you're, the local government area is the city of Melbourne. So a birth notification is sent to the council and they work out who the n- maternal and child health nurse who's actually looking after your area, your street. So if I'm the maternal and child health nurse, and uh, I get your birth notification and then I ring you up and say, um, I'm the maternal and child health nurse, I'm coming to see you. And we work out a date and a time. So I come and see you check and weigh the baby, see that you're okay, help you feeding, make sure your feeding's okay, then make a time for you to come down to the um, maternal and child health centre and see the nurse every week for a while. Kath, a, a lot of information. It's a lot, isn't it? Oh, it's a lot yeah, of it's, it's uh, and, and we have a great service. We, we're very lucky in Australia. We have a great health service. Even though everyone gives it a hard time, it, it, it really is good. So, you know, should I be knocking myself up if I'm, you know, debating whether or not to have epidural, non epidural drugs of some type, if I'm going with expectations to have a baby one way and I have a baby another way? Look, I think it's just, I would say, it's best not to be, you're only doing it this way. Too prescriptive. You can't do that because it just, if you say, I'm never, ever going to have an epidural, you know, it's just, it's just setting yourself up to feeling down, you mm. know, it's just, and if you're going to say, I'm going to have an epidural as soon as you go in, if you go in and you're nearly fully dilated, you're not going to have an epidural, like if you have a very quick labour. So you've got to be flexible in that trusting what's going on and people who are there are actually looking after you. A lot of women feel like it's their responsibility to know and to drive the labour, but it's actually the professionals that are looking after you. It's the obstetrician and the midwives that are looking after you. It's not... Um, so, so if there was a medical reason to give an epidural or a medical reason to give um, a, have a cesarean section, you know, the doctor's not going to stand around and say, what do you think? You know, you don't want a cesarean section. No, they're going to say, no, this is what we need to do to save lives. You know, and you're always about. I suppose at the end of the day, it's about healthy baby, healthy help, baby, healthy mother, healthy mother. <laughs> <laughs> we need some food. Healthy, healthy mother, mother. <laughs> healthy baby, healthy mother, healthy baby, healthy mother. That's all. That's all that's important. And really, your birth story doesn't. You know, it, it's it is important to you as a as a mother and a woman, and you do think about it a lot, and you ruminate about it overnight when you're feeding the baby. You just think about what people have said and and how the birth went, and how you know how magical it was seeing the baby for the first time, and it's just such an amazing feeling seeing that baby, and it and it looks like you, you know, mm. it's incredible, and wow, you just think, goodness, you know, it's just it's. 
it's awesome. It's really is fantastic having a baby. So don't get caught up in all the other expectations. You know, lean on lean on the on the medical profession. Trust trust your obstetrician and midwife. You know, and and have have good support. Make sure your partner is there. You may want your mum there or your mother in law. Not too many people. It gets too crowded. But you know, your mum's always. It's fabulous having the mother in. That they really they really enjoy being. Um, in labour, but I think they actually feel every contraction of their, do- <laughs> their daughter's um, labour. Some women don't want to be in there with their daughters. Some girls don't want their mums in there. Kath, labour, birth and drugs. Thanks yep. Thanks for demystifying some of the issues. And enjoy. And enjoy it. I'm going to be there for you, Brooke. Oh, God, cut that. Epidural. <laughs> This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Birth, Baby and Beyond is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne, Australia. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and music by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app. A Podcast One production.